want to speak to you this morning about um, prayer and authority. Um, Sarah started last week looking at authority and prayer, and we're carrying on a kind of a series this uh, next month looking at prayer and authority. Prayer is powerful, amen? You know, if, if we can learn to pray and learn to understand the connection that we have, then there is such power, I believe, in that connection. But the problem is, I find, especially sometimes I pray, um, sometimes I, I wonder if God is actually listening to me. Because really, I don't really understand who he is. I'm just being honest with you, right? And I don't really understand who I am in relationship to him. Because sometimes I get a bit muddled up. Does anybody else get muddled up? Don't think that we're good enough that he would answer my prayer. Because who am I that he would answer my prayer? And I know we read the Bible and I know what the Bible says. But sometimes I forget. And I need reminding who he is and who I am. Because I realize when I look at scripture that actually I am a child of God. Just like we've just been singing about. But when I go out on a daily basis, things can happen to me. And I can feel, have different feelings because of experiences, how people, what people say to me or what circumstances seem to say to me that actually I don't feel like a child of God and I don't feel that he's listening to me. I don't listen, don't think that he's answering my prayers. Anybody else? So, but actually the Bible teaches us that actually we can discover who we are in God. Um, I recently read a story, a lady called Andori Sash. She was a mother of four children, and she'd enrolled in Utah University. And what, just as she'd enrolled, she got a really serious phone call from somebody. And it was basically the social services. In America, it's the social services, child protection services. It was a rep on behalf of them. Anybody ever had a phone call like that? Maybe you work in schools and people are getting involved with serious issues. And basically what they said to this lady was this. She said, we need to come and see you. And we need to put some things in place. And she said, what do you mean? She got four children who were quite a, lot, quite a lot older, you know, than they were kind of getting to the point where they were going to go to high school. And um, she said, I don't understand. She says, you're now under investigation. She said, well, what for? She said, well, your newborn baby has tested positive. I might get this wrong. Methamphetamines. Is that right, Beck? Is that all right? A drug, right? The baby, a newborn baby, had tested positive to a drug, which now meant that she was a drug taker, and it meant that her other children were now under her care, that were under her care, were in danger. Are you hearing this? And, and she reflected for a minute, and she thought, well, I can't remember taking drugs. Now, that's something you'd remember, would it not? Unless you're a drug dealer and you're that messed up in your head, you might have forgot what drugs you took and when. But I think you'd remember if you'd taken some methamphetamines. Would you not? Now, I forget things, right? I forget sometimes to do things. No, 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 no. For the last three years, I have not forgotten to put the bins out. I've done it. I've nailed that one. This is an ongoing joke. Sorry if you don't feel included, church. If you're here as a visitor, there's an ongoing joke that I don't put the bins out. I do put the bins out. That one's done now. Is it done? Yeah, I've got a reminder in my phone. <laughs> so use whatever, use whatever tool you need to get the job done. Does the Bible say don't put reminders in your phone? Thank you. So don't criticize me for putting the bins out with a reminder. But you'd remember, you'd remember, wouldn't you? You'd remember, surely if you took drugs. Right? And then she had another thought. 
my children are grown up. Now help me, ladies, because I don't really know how this feels, right? I've never carried a baby as such. I've never been pregnant. And I don't know what it feels to have a baby, right? Sure, sure, surely you'd remember if you carried a baby and you, you had a baby. And she's like, my children are growing up. I did not have a baby. And he says, no, sorry, my dear. You're under investigation because your baby is tested. She says, I do not have a baby. My children are grown up. So what happened is they turned up. They investigated it. They put things in place for her, for her children, safeguarding measures in place. She was, she, she was going through this accusation of actually being a drug taker. And what had happened is this. Somebody had gone to the hospital. They'd stolen her identification. They'd even put her number plate on their car. So on the camera, it was seen that it was this person going into the hospital. They'd had a baby. And they'd had a $10,000 bill to be charged at this lady who hadn't even had a baby. I think you'd remember if you had a baby. Help me, ladies. Would you remember that? Bins are a different issue. But, you know, you'd remember, wouldn't you, if you'd had a baby. And I want to speak to you about this. Because what happened is this. The only way they could find out who this lady actually was and if she was the right person, they had to do DNA tests. And when they did the DNA test, they worked out that the baby was not the same DNA as her, as her children and her, her DNA. Listen, we all have a DNA, okay? God has given us a DNA spiritually that we're to have, that gives us our identification in respect to our relationship with him. You know, Adam in the beginning, he sinned. And, and, and we know, if you know the story, the relationship with God and Adam is... Adam struggles with it. He has shame. He has the guilt of all that. And he doesn't, he doesn't really know who he is now. He loses his identity. Sarah spoke about it last week a little bit. But here's the interest, interesting thing I find about Adam and God. Actually, I'll give credit to Sarah a little bit of this because she talked to me about it. So I won't take all the credit. Here's the deal. God goes to Adam. God doesn't change. God doesn't say, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. God goes to Adam and he asks him a question. Who are you? No, he doesn't ask him that question. He says, where are you? Because if we can understand, if you're lost, right? You're lost, what do you do? You look around for landmarks where, where oh, okay, that's there, that's there, I can find my way. Does that make sense? If you're lost as a child of God, where do you look? You look to your father. And if you can understand the father, you can understand who you are in relationship to him. So it's not about who I am, who is the father, because if I know the Father, I know me. God did not reject Adam. He still loved him unconditionally. He didn't change. And if we want to discover our identity, if we want to discover a, a prayer life where we, where we ask and we realize that God has heard us, we've got to understand who he is. And actually understanding who he is will understand who we are in relation to him. In the Bible, it talks about being in Christ. It doesn't really talk about being a Christian. Oh, I'm a Christian. I think it's a couple of times it's mentioned in Scripture they were called Christians. But actually in Christ is over a hundred times in the Bible. So God has put it in there for us to gain an understanding of who we are in relationship to him. And if we can discover that, I believe we can grow in our God-given, designed identity and we can grow in authority and realize who we are in, as children of God. Amen? 
So, I'm going to share a scripture. Now, this scripture is written by Peter. Peter was a man who was quite self-assured in what he believed. He confessed that he would never leave Jesus. But actually, he was doing it in his own strength. I'll never do that. I'll never forsake you, Jesus. Jesus says, no, you will. But then Jesus reinstates him in him. And in him, he writes these words, right? So a man who, who probably dealt with shame, felt rejected, felt, you know, just a waste of time, felt inadequate. You know, he let Jesus down. He writes these words in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you, the people of God, are a chosen people. Wow. A royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, you didn't know who you were, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now, say now. Now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, now I've received. Come on, who wants mercy? This is a now time. The gospel is now. The good news is now. God has mercy for us, amen? Mercy and grace for us and empowerment in our life. It's for now. It's not when I get to heaven. It's not I'm going to be blessed when I... No, no, no. It's the now. God says, I want to empower you now. I want you to be an overcomer now. Not when you get the exam or you get the test or you get the thing that tells you you're good enough. No, now, God says, now you can be this. So I want to look at three DNAs that I believe God gives us. You know, DNA, I can't remember what it stands for. It's a big word, but I've renamed it this. Designed, not an accident. Right? Come on, if you think you're an accident, if you think, if this world wraps itself around your thinking, gets in your mind, it will chew you up, it will spit you out, it will take what it wants out of you and then say, see, you're not wanted anymore. But if you come to the God who designed you, who says, you're not an accident, you're mine. You're mine. Three DNAs, this is the first one. I'm going to preach next week and give you another two DNAs next week. So you'll have to hold on all week for them. Here we go. Here's the first one. We are chosen. We're chosen. Who remembers that experience at school of going on a team? Can you remember? And you were not picked. It's just degrading. Right? I remember lining up at school for the football team. And I wasn't very good at football when I was younger. So you'd, you'd line up and they'd go, Bobby, his team. Johnny, his team. And you're going, it's going down. Somebody pit me. Somebody pit me. Don't leave me to lie. And you last. And it's like, okay, I'm on their team. You know? I mean, it's just the wrong method, isn't it? It's just the wrong method. God doesn't choose us like that. How does God choose us? Does God choose you when you put your hand up as a response? Does God choose you when you stop sinning and get your life right? Or you get that position, you think, oh, I've made it now. God loves me more. We all fall into this trap, do we not? Are you still with me this morning? 
Is it just me that struggles with this? I'm on a journey with this, and I can get lost in this, and I need to go back to this. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says this. He chose us in him. Now, this might get your mind a little bit, you know, I don't quite get this because our mind works in time, right? Well, God's trying to help us out to show us how much he loves us. Are you ready? He chose us in him before the creation of the world. What was it when I responded to Jesus? Did he pick me? No. Was it when I got me starting my life in order? No. When was it? Before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world. God chose you in him. You know, there's some special things in this world. Who loves monkeys? My dog, just, it's, my dog goes at monkeys on the tally, right? The worst thing that can happen, my dog attacks animals and it'll attack monkeys. But I love monkeys. Giraffes, who loves giraffes? Phenomenal thing about a giraffe, it can put its head down and apparently it should actually faint by putting its head down and lifting it up. It should faint because of the, the change in, in gravity or whatever it is. Somebody who's scientific or biological can tell me more about that. But I know it's a special thing, right? The oceans, how cool are they? The birds of the air, oh, beautiful, right? There's some wonderful things in creation, is there not? But he made you before all of that wonder. He says, I'm going to make something special. Something that I love before all of creation. And it's my children. I chose you before the beginning of creation to be holy and blameless in my sight. I mean, we could spend a week on this, couldn't we? God chose you to be him, in him, before creation. He saw it in his mind that he saw you loved in him and blameless and faultless in his sight. And I know we're in a fallen world, and I know we don't think we're good enough, and I know we wrestle with all this stuff, but this is the Bible. This is the truth. This is the gospel. And if we're to understand who we are, we've got to wrestle with these things until we know the truth. Amen? What does it say in the message version? Ephesians. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us. Who's ordained in here? Come on, who's ordained? Oh, the pastor's ordained. He's done the certificate. No, you're all ordained. Woo! You're all ministers of the gospel. You're all a holy nation. You're all priests. Not just priests, you are royal priests. Wow. You're ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Wow. This is the gospel church. This is what God saw us in him. You're chosen. Do you believe that? Or are you still waiting to be picked? You're still looking for that thing. Still searching for it. The job. The relationship. If I just get it, then I'll be loved. No, God says, before all that stuff, seek me. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to it. Don't seek the relationship. Don't seek the house. Don't seek the job. Don't seek them before God. Seek God and everything else will be added onto that foundation. 
But if we're looking and searching in this world to get the fulfillment in our hearts, we're going to miss it, church, because it won't give it to us. The only one who's going to give it to you is Jesus Christ, because he's the one who's made it happen. Access to the Father and what you're after is only found in Jesus. Pastor can't give it you. Jesus can give it you. I can point you to Jesus. So you're chosen. Amen? Now, so the first thing about being chosen is this. We need to understand that God chose us before everything. Because this week you'll have some things go on, rejection or something will happen that didn't go the way you thought, and you'll think, oh, I'm not loved, not good enough. No, you need to counteract that with the word of God and say, no, I'm not having my identity stolen. I'm not being robbed of my identity. I'm chosen before that stuff. Get out of my mind. And by the way, church, if you didn't already know it, there is a battle for your identity. There really is. The devil is after your identity. He's a thief. He's a robber. He wants to corrupt it. He wants to damage it. He wants to damage families. He wants to damage relationships. How's he going to do that? By getting in your head to say you're not good enough. You haven't got it. So you'll force it and try and do things out of your own strength. And God's saying, come to me. I've picked you. If you only knew when I picked you, before the beginning of time. The second point about being chosen is this. We're chosen not because of us. We're chosen because Jesus made me acceptable. God saw it in Christ that we would be holy and blameless in him. Not in us. Because we've got our wrestles, have we not? We've got our battles. We are trying to deal with sin in our life that trips us up. But when we come to God by faith in the word of God, God says, I'm holy and blameless in his sight. It's only done through Jesus. Titus 3 verse 7 says this, and I love this. Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve my sin to be washed and me to be cleansed. But God chose us before the beginning of time to be accepted in Christ. So Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. And then it says this, he made us acceptable. Wow, if only I do that. No, Jesus made you acceptable. What are you looking for? Jesus made you acceptable. You've got to get through that thinking and transform it. You've got to re renew your mind and then you'll be transformed. And it'll say this, I am accepted because Jesus accepted me. Not because I'm trying to get acceptance. Jesus accepted me. I am, a, I am holy and blameless in his sight by faith in Jesus Christ. It says he made us acceptable. Woo! So that just takes this weight off takes the work off. I don't, need, I don't need to make myself acceptable. I don't need to go out this week and, you know, bow down to the popular culture of what other people think. I know I'm accepted because of Jesus Christ. And God made me. He made me acceptable. And that's good news, is it not? Do you believe you're accepted this morning? 
If you don't, you've got to go on a journey to understand what the Bible says. You have a battle to renew your mind. It won't just step aside and say, go on, in you go, have it all. No, you have to. It's called discipleship. You have to do the work today so you get the benefit tomorrow. You have to do the small steps today. I read a quote recently. It says this, the hard work you're dealing with today are the small steps you didn't take yesterday. The reason you got problems, because you're not taking the small steps to actually find out what the Word of God says in your life and realize who you are. Take the small steps, and all of a sudden you'll get there and you'll go, wow, I'm loved. Wow, that rejected me. doesn't matter. I'm accepted because I've put the small steps in. I've put it in my life. He made us acceptable to God and gave us. How much of this are we doing? Not a lot, are we? He made us acceptable, and he gave us the hope of eternal life. Wow, I think we just need worship Jesus. I think we just need shout about Jesus. I think we need the hope in our hearts of what Jesus has done. I'm made acceptable, woohoo! and have eternal life that he's given me. Who plays the lottery? You're playing the long game. The word of God. The word of God is the hope of the world. The word, I'm not saying, if you want to have a go to the lottery, there's no condemnation. Do what you want. But don't bank your life on that because it's all going to go anyway. Bank your life on the word of God. Let it fill your heart. And whoa, Jesus has made me acceptable. Jesus has given me the hope of eternal life. Wow. I don't have to do anything. Religion wants to get you worked up and wear you out. Come on, see what you can do. Yes, there is a work to do of discipleship where we commit to seeking God and finding God and discovering God. But in that, then it fulfills us and we go out and do a work. But it's done in his strength. We don't give because we have to. We give because he gave to us first. If that's not happening in your life, spend some time in the word of God and ask God to show you. It's a gift. He made you and he gave to you. Anybody feeling chosen this morning? The second thing is this. Our DNA. We are exceedingly valuable. Woo! Who's feeling valuable already this morning? I'm feeling valuable. There's a painting this week. You might have seen it sold. A Hockney painting. Any artists in the room? No? Okay. I've lost you all. It fetched 23. Can we have it up on the screen? 23.1 million pounds for that. Right? I know you could do better than that. I, I agree. Right? My kids, we could do better than that. Oh, couldn't we? It's called the splash. <laughs> Apparently, there's another two. The little splash. And then guess what the other one is? No, the bigger splash. <laughs> right? It's all about splashing in water. 23.1 million. There's another one that he did at the side of the pool with two figures. 80 million. 80 million. Pretty valuable, would you agree? Now, what makes this painting valuable? Well, I would say it's the artist himself. The creator makes it valuable. Because he's a famous artist. He's well-known. His words out there. His, his few paintings are sought after. So it makes him valuable. What makes you valuable? The creator. The one who designed you makes you valuable. He made me before the beginning of time, therefore I'm valued. Amen? Anybody feeling valued this morning? 
But you'll go out this week and you'll have challenges and those things will tell you that they're not valuable. See, you're not good enough. What are you going to listen to? You're going to go to your father and say, no, I am valued. Yes, this made me feel like this, but my father in heaven values me. I'm not a 23.1 million. I'm not an 80 million. I'm a billion, trillion, priceless creation of the living God. Now, has anybody got anything valuable in their lives? Who's got a phone on them this morning? How valuable is it? It's like precious to me. It's an iPhone. One, two, four, five, seven, twenty-five. It's so cool. Look what it can do. It's so valuable. Paid seven hundred ninety-five. Paid one thousand five hundred. I pay it monthly. I got this thing. It's so valuable. Who's got a house? Some people got a house. How much is your house worth? Well, I think it's worth this. I've just had an extension. I've added value to it. Wow, I've had new windows. So valuable. You've got a house. Who, who thinks they know how much their house is worth? You, think, you just sold yours. Yeah. But did you put a higher value on your house? Yeah, originally you put a higher value on your house. We all put a higher value on. But what gives it the value? Was it the one the builder who made it? Don't even know who the builder was. Was it the previous owner? Mm, not quite sure. I'm going to show you another picture. This picture, it's a 600-year-old sword. Right? It doesn't look very good, does it? I mean, who would want that if you found it in the street? This sword was found recently in the garage of a, a, a young man found it. His father had passed away, and he found it wrapped up in the garage, and he realized, after researching it, there was a 600-pound medieval sword. So he took it to the auction, and he, you know, he, he, he explained what it was. It went in the auction. He was expecting, you know, get a 1,000 pounds. Originally, it was valued at 200. He said, I couldn't believe it went to 2,000. Then six, then seven, then 30,000 pounds for this rusty little thing that was in the garage. That probably we don't even know who created it or made it or used it. We do know it's from a time past. But someone was willing to pay £30,000. So what makes it valuable? What makes it valuable is this. What somebody is willing to pay for it. What makes your house valuable? What somebody is willing to pay for it. What makes you valuable? Come on. What makes me valuable? What somebody's willing to pay for me. What did somebody pay for you? Everything. So you question your value? My God in heaven, I'm valuable because he paid everything for me. You hear what I'm saying? The, the, the world won't tell you that. The world will want you for what you can offer it. More and more and more today. More and more pressure. More and more about money and, and, and getting squeezing more out of less. Anybody working in a job right now? Yeah? That's the world. God's not like that. God says, I value you more than anything. So wh where do we find our value? We find a value, first of all, this, because God is our Father. God is our Father. He loves us. Secondly, we find our value because Jesus gave his life for us. 
I read a scripture, it says in Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, talking about the people of Israel, it says this, you are a holy people to the Lord your God, his treasured possession. Now that was to Israel, but God expanded that promise to all of creation. You are his treasured possession. Amen? Are you still with me this morning? This is your inheritance as a child of God. And it's made possible through Jesus Christ. Now, God loves everybody. Would you agree? But not everybody has the access to this. And the reason that is, is God loves you, but not everybody is a child of God. You may be here this morning, you're, you know you've put your faith in Jesus. You're now a child of God because you've put your faith in Jesus. You now become born of God. Some of you here this morning, you may not you may not be a child of God. You may realize that God loves you from a distance, but you don't really know him. But actually, God wants to tell you that he's died for your sins and he loves you more than anything. And he wants you to receive in his, from him his mercy, his love, his acceptance through Jesus Christ. But not everybody is a child of God. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. He loves you anyway. And just one thing on acceptance, God accepts us, does he not? But that doesn't mean he approves of everything we do. There's a difference. You know, in society right now, there's big questions about how do we love and who do we love and whole shebang of people and sexuality. God accepts them all. God loves them unconditionally, does he not? So if you look through the cross, you see people through the eyes of the cross, God loves them. That's our job, to love people and accept people. That does not mean you approve of everything they do. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why Jesus can be with sinners, and they're like, why are you with sinners, Jesus? They criticized him, because I can accept them because of what I am about to do. That doesn't mean I approve of their behavior. But if I accept them and love them, and they get transformed, their behavior is going to change anyway. Because there's a deeper value of unconditional love. That doesn't mean you accept their behavior. You model a different behavior, your model, right? Don't combat with them. Don't compete with them. Don't judge them. Just love on them with the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? Too much criticism to people, unfortunately. Right, and the third DNA. You ready? So your first DNA, what was it? Chosen, right? Some of you may still be struggling with this, and I'll go through this in a minute. What's your second DNA? Exceedingly valuable. Not just valuable extremely or exceedingly valuable. You've got to get that into your DNA that Jesus died for me. That's the value that Jesus has, on my, has for me. Are you ready? And then the third one is this. We are forever loved. Just want to float on a dove and, you know what I mean? Just, wow, I'm forever loved. Don't you just love the image that God gives Jesus when he's getting baptized like a dove? This pure innocent, soft, loving voice comes down to heaven from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Beautiful picture. You see, 1 Peter 2 verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Have you ever been embarrassed by your parents? Or have you, you know, kids... Oh, yeah, maybe you embarrass your parents. 
I recently went, at the beginning of the season, I went and watched a football match with my youngest daughter, Olivia. She's told me I need to get a story in about here, so this is a story. So here's a story, right? We're sitting watching the football, and um, we don't usually sit in this part of the stadium. It's a quiet part of the stadium. It's not where the, you know, the people who are, they're accepted, but they're not approved, right? Sit in that end, right? I don't approve of some of their things, but I'll sit there, and I'll accept them, I love them. But I wasn't sitting in that, right? I'd gone up another level. I was sitting in the posher stand. But it was quite empty. It was a preseason game. And the crowd are kind of singing over there. But there's no noise over here. So I'm like, I start clapping. Olivia says, Dad. Now, this is at the point I discovered my, my daughter's future and what she's going to do for a living. She's going to be a ventriloquist. <laughs> Dad. I'm like, what? Stop clapping. I'm like, Olivia, we're at a football stadium. If you can't clap at a football stadium, where can you clap? Nobody else is clapping. I'm like, okay. So then there's a song over there. I join in. Oh, come on, you. It's like, Dad! Pulls the arm. It's like, it's like, Olivia, I know what's coming next. It'll be a right hand in the rib. I'm experienced. So she's like, Dad, will you stop singing? She's going to explode her eyes and, you know, stop it, Daddy. I'm like, okay. I stop for a little bit. I'm like, it's bursting out of me. I'm at the football match if I can't sing and like, so I get, I'm like, I'm going to start, start a song and yo, and I'm up and I'm singing and then the next person starts singing, then another one starts and we're all singing at the stadium and Olivia looks at me, she went, you started that, didn't you dad? I went, yeah, see, you're proud of me now, aren't you? But we all get embarrassed, don't we? We're all ashamed at some point ashamed of someone or we shame someone else or we struggle with shame ourselves because we've done things that we don't think God approves of. And yet he probably doesn't because he loves us. He wants the best for us, but we don't realize how powerful his love is and what he started in our lives. Hebrews 2 verse 11 says this, Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. We have a father in heaven and Jesus makes us holy through trusting in him. But then he says this. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Jesus isn't going, oh, I wish you'd stop doing that. Oh, I wish you'd just get it right again. Oh, I wish you'd stop putting yourself down. He's not ashamed of you to call you a sister. And you, know, you get your head around that for a second. Jesus is your brother. Come on. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is your brother in Christ. Yes, he's the Father. We have the Father. But he says he's a brother to us. Wow. I have a brother who is stronger than anything. It will stick with me through anything. Not reject me, not shame me, not put me down, not be disappointed with me, but will unconditionally love me. I mean, who wants a brother like that? Some of you never had a brother? You've got a brother now, haven't you? I'm sure your brothers in your life, if you've got one, weren't always like this Jesus, right? But where do we get our identity from? Jesus Christ. The brother who never leaves us, never forsakes us. Says, I'll never leave you, he said to the disciples. So if Jesus is in you, he's with you forever and eternity. He'll never leave you. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says this, I have loved you, my people, with everlasting 
love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Now, two characteristics of God's love. We're getting there. Are you still with me? Two characteristics. Number one is this. It's unconditional. There's no conditions on it. It's not about what you do if you achieve it. It's an unconditional love that is given to you. If you can't get your head around that, you've got to learn to understand what Scripture says. It is the gift of God through Jesus Christ that is given to you. It's not by what you do. And you've got to receive the love of God. That means in your emotions as well. You've got to be able to experience the tenderness of God's heart for you. If you haven't got that and it's just all words, no, you've got to receive God's presence in your life that affirms that you are a child of God and you are loved. Oh no, it can't be about emotion. Yeah, he's giving you emotion. Let him in. Let the peace of God rule your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So, God's love is unconditional, but it's unending. Wow. It doesn't end on a daily basis. So why are we eternally loved? Psalm 100 says this, verse 5. God's love is eternal, and his faithfulness lasts forever. Forever. You wake up tomorrow. Oh, I'm a bit tired. (laughs) Come on, Monday morning. What's going to fill your heart? I'm loved today. I'm filled with love for the day. Today, I am loved. In spite of what's going on in my life, I'm still loved. It's an unconditional love that's given by God. Amen? It doesn't doesn't change. He doesn't waver. It is constant love that he offers us. So why do we struggle? <laughs> Does anybody else struggle with this? Why do we struggle? I believe we struggle because of this. We've got past the sin in the world. We've had negative experiences, traumatic experiences that create an impression on us. And what can happen is those things can come back to us. They're in our memories. And they can trigger emotions in our lives where we don't feel loved. We don't feel chosen. We don't feel that we're valuable because this thing pops back up in our lives. It's like a tape recorder that just all of a sudden, who keeps pressing that play button? Goes round and round. Tape recorder. Do you know what that is? CD? No. A digital download that's on repeat. Got it? Yeah. I'm still with it, right? It's a, it's a thing that keeps going round and round and round and round and round. You're not good enough. See, you're never going to make it. No, 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 not you. They will, but you won't. It goes round and round. Anybody got one of them going round? Anybody got it? Anybody seen Guardians of the Galaxy? He's got a Walkman. That's, that's an old classic piece of kit that had music on it and a tape. And you put it in your hip and you walked around. Before that, you had a ghetto blaster. And you put it on your shoulder, big cassette, and you walk around the street, look at me, I got mobile music. And you walked around the street with a ghetto blast, and you're like, I'm cool, man. And if you're really cool, you put it on the street corner, a piece of line, and you did some breakdancing, you took the next street out, boom. 
Some of you are not with me on that one. Right. But you've got a Walkman, right? And the Walkman went everywhere with you. And you could like, I've got sound now. I can go everywhere. I've got music here. I go there. I go. Now you've got a phone. It's on your phone. Music goes everywhere with you, right? So does the memories and those sounds that were negative in your life. Because you keep playing them over and over and over and over again. So how do we get rid of or deal with that? It's a little bit like this. Rick Warren says it's like this. It's like you've been dumped to stone. Boom. In your life. Uh, uh, anybody got one of them? Am I talking to myself? Right? You've got that experience. You know, your brother didn't love you. Your brother rejected you. Your brother cursed you. You're, nah, 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 nah. Whatever it is, we've all got one. But Rick Warren says this. It's like a pair of scales. and You've got one big weight on that side. This is what you do. On a daily basis, get a stone, which is the word of God, and put it in your life. Yeah, but it's still dragging me back. Yeah, but the word of God says this. The word of God says I'm a child of God. The word of God says I'm unconditionally loved. The word of God says I'm accepted. The word of God says the word of God says the word. And as you put them stones on that scale, what happens is it begins to take the weight down that side. And yeah, you've got that old experience in your life, but actually you're overcoming because I'm putting the word of God in my life. I'm saying, Jesus, you're more important to me. And all of a sudden your life begins to change. Your heart changes, your mind changes. And all of a sudden you're not what you used to be. You've been renewed by your mind. Your life has been transformed. I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer and I'm doing what what God called me to do. I'm not living in the past. I'm not bowing down to my negative experience. I am a child of God. Are you with me? That's why it takes discipleship. It needs to be trained. It is a battle for your identification, guys. Now, if you had your ID stolen, can I ask Dave come up on the keys? Your homework for this week is this. Remember these three DNAs. And every time something comes against it to tell you you're not or rob your identity, like it did that lady at the beginning, you'll say, no, this is my DNA. I'm a child. I, I, am, I am forever loved. I am valued and I am chosen. That's what I'm having in my heart, right? That's your homework to do that this week and remind yourself. Now, here's the final point I want to finish with. Is this. If somebody stole your identification, what would you do? Just look blank then. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, never had it done. I never had it done. Well, when you have it, if you have it done, I'm not prophesying that over you. If someone stole your ID, what would you do? You'd ring the bank, the police, right? You go to a, a higher authority to help you deal with this. If somebody deals, deals and tries to rob your ID this week, what are you going to do, church? I'm going to go to a higher authority. I'm going to increase my prayer life and my connection to God. Hey, God, that hurt me. God, they rejected me. God, I'm fed up with this stuff that's weighing me down, sin. I'm coming to you today as my father. I want to grow in this God-given identity. I want to grow in the authority that you've given to me, delegated on earth, that I can overcome this big stone in my life so I don't live with it any longer. And I'm connecting to a higher authority. Come on. I'll tell you what, guys. There's no two ways around this. I'll be honest with you. If you want a solution for your problem, I'll give it you. Go to God. He has every answer for every problem that you have in your life. I'll guarantee he has everything that makes him God. If you think, no, he doesn't, then you don't know him as God. He has every solution. Now God uses people, he uses circumstances, he uses everything. But if you want a breakthrough, go to God. First thing you do, you have your ID stolen, I'll increase this connection.
the second thing what you do, you close some things down. Shut, 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 shut. Get rid of the card. Cut. What do they say when you ring them up? Get rid of the card. Cut it up. Cut it up. Cut it. What are you going to cut up, church? What relationships need to stop? What habits need to stop that aren't good for you, pulling you back? Come on, I'll be real with you. You know, if you're struggling with something, some addiction, pornography, whatever it is, it will eradicate your soul. It will rob you from the things of God. Say, I need to cut this thing out. Create some accountability, a willingness to, to, to remove yourself from that and walk into God's holiness. I'm done with that. Cut some things up. Stop it. Now, last thing I'm going to say is this. You need to add something in there. You need a new password. Someone's gone into your account. You need a new password. The password, they know about it. You need a new password. His name's Jesus. He's the access to the Father. He's the one who will get you what you need. Jesus Christ is the lover of your soul. And if you doubt that this morning, he spread his flipping arms for you on that cross. He did not abandon you. He did not leave you nor forsake you. He went to the cross. He was beaten. He was abused. they, they, They spat at him. Why? Because he loves you. And this week when you doubt your value and worth, Jesus is your password. Jesus is your access. Jesus is the one, the word of God in your life. Get a hunger for Jesus and the word of God. I'm fed up of living like that. I'm pursuing Jesus now. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to obey what Jesus says. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to go after him. I'm going to put the things in in my life that Jesus says to do. And I'll guarantee You'll grow in your authority. You'll see breakthrough in your own personal life. You cut those things off and you put the new things of Jesus in your life. You'll begin to overcome in your breakthrough. Amen? Are you with me? Three DNA for you to learn this week. Next week, I'm going to come with two more DNA for you. Are you ready for next week? Get praying. Get talking to Father. Let's believe for breakthrough. Next week's more about empowering you as an individual to get out there with the gospel and who you are called to be.